Yeah, so I dropped out of school, moved back home, and I was just depressed, like in bed on the couch, wouldn't leave my room for like four or five months straight. Like it was it was horrible. And that was around the time that I was in the process of being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I wound up uh, diagnosed with bipolar in uh, in like around March tw- of 2019. And uh, and it was around that same time that uh, this... Hi, Shit Talkers. Welcome to Talk Show with me. And I am your spoiler, the shit talker. I mean, don't we all like talking shit anyways? <laughs> are you a creator? If so, you are in the right space. Talk Show with P is a place where we showcase and celebrate the talents, works, and stories of creative minds from all walks of life, while also raising awareness for mental health through providing a supportive space to share their stories, insights, and experiences. We will be discussing creative journeys, the high, lows, and the ways we manage our mental health through it all. Join us each week for inspiring conversations, useful resources, and a community of like-minded creators as we dive into the minds of creative beings to explore their journeys, struggles, and triumphs. So whether you're a seasonal creative or just starting out, Talk Show with Peace, the podcast for you. Ryan, welcome to Talk Show with P. It is so amazing to have you. Um, for most people who don't know, I literally found uh, Ryan's page on Instagram. And shout out to my boy, Joe. I found it through him because he's also in, in Toronto and he does comedy. And I think he had commented and I went to look at his page and I was like, literally right there, I sent him a message. I was like, you would be so perfect for my podcast. And it was like, cool, let's do it. I was like, yeah, it's going to be in um in January. I'll be recording, I'll send details in December. And it was like, perfect time. I'll have so much to share by then. So I'm hoping he has a lot to share because he did tell me he's going to have a lot to share by January. So Ryan, welcome to Talk Show with him. Well, well, thank you for having me. I also want the record to reflect. You, you, you're like, oh, I'm gonna send you details in December. When did you send me details? A couple days ago. Get out of here. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing you. Listen, December was kind of hectic, and I did send to some people, but somehow I. I realized I hadn't sent it to you. Yeah. It's not about it's not about when you get the message. It's how fast you are in 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 making it happen. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm just I'm just teasing. I'm easy. I'm I'm so looking forward to this. This is gonna be so much fun. Thank you so much for Love having it. me. Thank you for agreeing to come. So Ryan, you are a stand-up comedian. So, um. First of all, before we get into that, you tell people you're from Toronto. I'm curious, why the fuck do you claim Toronto and not actually where you're from, which is Richmond Hill? Uh, so, I mean, I mean, right, I, for, for, for various reasons. I mean, I travel all around. I've been to like almost 30 countries and it's so much easier when you're somewhere new. Nobody knows what the hell Richmond Hill is. Uh, even even people in the GTA, some people don't know what Richmond Hill is, let alone anywhere else that I go around Ontario to uh, to go do comedy. Like I've done comedy all, all the way up in, uh, in Muskoka. I've been to London, like Niagara Falls. Like I'm all over the place. So it's a lot easier to just say Toronto. And then it also kind of just it rolls off the tongue a lot easier, you know, and and 
I mean, hopefully, I mean, most of my shows are in Toronto, so I feel like I live there anyways. Oh, my God. Richmond people cancel him because he's literally claiming a whole other place. But I feel like being from a place where people haven't had it's kind of more compared to, oh, Toronto, yeah, I know that you should be like Richmond. Where is that? So this is where this is it. You can't even lie about shit because nobody knows where. <laughs> We we actually did just get city status like uh like a year or two ago. It was originally the town of Richmond Hill, but we we crossed over like the two hundred thousand person barrier or whatever for for population, and there was a whole big, I guess now city hall meeting, <laughs> and uh, and and we got voted in, and there was a whole thing, and we're we're officially the city of Richmond Hill now, which is so really wait. sad. <laughs> So wait, so it's like a small town, you know, those small towns where everybody knows each other, everybody's oh, parents no. went to school with everybody's parents, no, not that. Oh God, no, no, no. Richmond Hill sucks. It is like an abject wasteland. I live here by necessity only, like just only out of necessity. It, uh, it, Richmond Hill is literally just a commuter town or I get, sorry, I got to keep correcting myself. It's a commuter city. city. To get to to get to Toronto, we're like just just north of Toronto. It's like uh, like it like you the the subway goes all the way all the way to Finch, and then from Finch you take a bus north, and then you go through Thornhill, and then you hit Richmond Hill. But it's all all of York Region, like the whole thing is very incestuous. There's so many weird cities and towns that are all like inside each other. Like Oak Ridges is part Aurora and part Richmond Hill. And then Woodbridge is in Vaughn, but like also partially in Markham. And then it's all part of York. Re it's like so friggin' confusing. But so, so if I want to save money, right, and just live a very simple life, will Richmond will be the place like, you know? You want to live a simple life? I mean, if, if by simple you mean boring, for sure, come here. It's great. I mean, Simple doesn't necessarily need to be boring, you know. Like, you know, I'm I'm tired of people and the city craziness and all the bullshit. So let me go hide out and save my money. <laughs> You're definitely not gonna save money here. It is just as expensive. Our property tax is higher in Richmond. So what's the whole point of that faraway town, middle of nowhere? Don't don't ask me. My parents picked uh, to live here. I live in a basement apartment with my mom. She lives in a duplex. I'm a comedian. I don't make enough to live in this city. <laughs> and before that, I worked in mental like I mean, I still like work a little bit in mental health. That's that's what I do. And that doesn't pay nearly enough to live in the city either. Listen, trust me, with the way rent is, if I if I had a mom, if I could live in my mom's basement, trust me, I would be doing that. So no shame here. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, honestly. But but like for real though. Yeah, no, I I, I actually I, I used to be so down on myself for, for still living at home in like my late twenties, especially when I when I I'm I'm sure this will come up later. Later, later in the interview in the podcast, but uh, you know, like when I've been in historically been in like long depressive episodes, that's something that I definitely ruminate about a lot and get really, really down on myself. And you know, after a lot of therapy and stuff, I've definitely come to a place where, like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like a thousand percent, I love being here at home. I'm saving up money so I can, you know, keep building my my empire as it is. 
hard air quotes on empire, but uh, hey, it's your empire. So however big or small or whatever the empire consists, it's still your fucking empire. Okay, we are not oh, yeah. downplaying our empires, but yeah, um, and I've had that because even with working. I work with, um, when I used to work in retail, I worked with a lot of teenagers and most of them would, would be like in a quick to, to move out. Like they're 18, 19 and they're talking, oh, I'm setting up to move out. I'm like, okay, but you don't know how much it is expensive to live by yourself. You're saving up, you might save up for like the deposit and the rent and trust me, as soon as you move in, it's not that easy to save. You still have bills, you still have to feed yourself, you still have all that shit it costs i'm like like, it is expensive it's draining it's stressful so if you can stay home stay home and save up i say don't move out until you have saved up at least six months rent or a year like something because nothing every time when shit doesn't go right with me even like when october i lost my job the biggest thing is being homeless like losing your job and not knowing how to pay the rent so if you can stay home until you figure your shit out stay home I don't care how old you are. Don't don't let anybody say shit. If they want to go and struggle and do good for them. You want to stay home and get your shit together, stay home, my friend. Stay home. Oh, a thousand. Mama support. Yes, like and everybody's journey is different. I don't understand if you're just staying home and not working and not saving and not doing shit just being, oh, why should I, you know, that I'll get, but if you're literally Saving up for either building your business or um, investing in something or doing something. Staying home is the right choice. Do you, man? So, how did you get into comedy? Like, um, when did you start comedy? When did you think, like, fuck it, I'm very funny. I need the stage. Because, <laughs> you know, there's so many people who think they're funny, but it's, it's a whole other thing getting on stage and making people laugh, you know? I remember at one point my manager at work used to tell me, I was like, Paul, I swear I would pay to come and watch you because you're very funny. I'm like, you're confusing that. There's a difference when I make you all laugh because I'm just talking shit. But actually getting up on stage, preparing shit to make people laugh or either pay to come here and see you or just they're spending their money to be there either buying drinks or eating food and you are distracting their time with your comedy, you better make me laugh because you're literally... <laughs> so that's a whole different shit. So how did you get into that? Disrupting time with comedy? Now that's talking shit, Paula. <laughs> Listen, no. There's some people like literally if you get on the stage and I don't laugh, I'm gonna get so mad because literally what whatever I was I could have continued enjoying my my drink or my meal in peace or listening to music or dancing or just even ignoring the nigga who's trying to talk to me. That would have even been more fun because trying to hear the pickup lines is about to come through. So if you're getting on the stage, you better make me laugh. <laughs> I feel I feel you on that a hundred percent. At the same time, I fucking hate the sound of people chewing i have hardcore misophonia i would much rather listen to like really shitty comedy like even if the person sucks than like sit next to somebody and just have them chew really loudly in my face you should <laughs> but- you shouldn't have say that because next time i come to canada and you have a, a show i'm literally sitting up front and chewing the loudest of my food while i watch your set oh i won't hear you from up i won't hear you from the stage that's okay <laughs> I'm going to put a mic on my on myself. You know, I'm a podcaster. I work with my own mic. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. So do I. I got my own mic here too. 
Now, um, comedy. Back to the original well, question. Yeah. I, I know. We, I we, get... keep, we keep diverting. Like, I feel like this is going to be one long interview. But... <laughs> hey, if you're cool, if you're cool with a long one, I'm cool with a long one. I don't got shit to do today. I'm living my best life. Like, my first interview was supposed to be an hour. I went to an hour and 45 minutes. So. <laughs> yeah, you might be stuck with one of those with me, too. Who knows? <laughs> Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. I can, I literally talk for a living. And I know. No, you don't talk for a living. ADHD. You make people laugh for a living. There's a difference. I oh, talk for, sure. for a living. You, 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 you make people laugh. Until you become a podcaster, then we'll say you talk for a living. <laughs> Give it in, in everything in its own time. In due time. Don't steal my job. <laughs> All right, so comedy. Comedy, How did you okay. Get this <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it really, I mean, it, it it's a very long story. I'll I'll kind of I kind of cut like cut some of the pieces out. Where essentially, I've had like just lots of undiagnosed mental health symptoms and episodes throughout throughout my early adult life, and uh, and some of the big ones, and, and maybe this will come up later too. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna delve on it too much. But uh, but one of the major ones was uh, in 2018, in the in the winter of 2018, I fell into a very very deep depression. I dropped out of school. I was uh, I was going to Algonquin College. I was uh, it was an outdoor adventure program. I was uh, in college to learn how to be like a whitewater rafting guide, kayak guide, canoe guide, mountain biking, rock climbing. Like it was so cool. It was so dope. I was the uh, like the class rep, the class president. And so like, I was like, I was crushing it. I had like a 98 average in school. I was, I had job offers out the wazoo for the summer coming up. Like it was, it was a good time, but, uh, but I felt, I kind of felt it kind of coming on. This wasn't my first major depressive episode, but I kind of feel it coming on. And so I wound up, uh, I, I tried to stick through, I, I finished the semester so I could get all my credits, but then I dropped out and, uh, and moved back home. Cause I was living out in Pembroke in Pembroke, Ontario. Now that's a town that nobody knows. You want to talk Richmond Hill? Nobody knows. Nobody has a fucking clue what Pembroke is, except for the comedy show I was at last night. There were three people from Pembroke, Ontario, at the show I did last night at Comedy Bar Danforth. It was hilarious. For a person who's like a well-known uh, comedian who are always aspiring to be a well-known comedian, because co when you're a comedian, you are gonna be well-known. That's that's part of. What it comes with, you literally went to really small unknown towns. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, maybe maybe I'll be the person to put Richmond Hill on the map. Who knows, right? I mean, we 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 gave it so much credit on this episode alone. So <laughs> I, it's really going to help the SEO of the town of the city of Richmond Hill. There's going to be so many more clicks because the word Richmond Hill is gonna, just going to come up so much. <laughs> But, uh, but I, we, but should I have had a, we should have had like a game. Like every time we talk about Richmond Hill, we take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. All right. Uh huh. So you but, uh, moved back home? Yeah. So I dropped out of school, moved back home, and I was just depressed, like in bed on the couch, wouldn't leave my room for like four or five months straight. Like it was, it was horrible. And that was around the time that I was in the process of being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I wound up uh, diagnosed with bipolar in uh, in like around March tw of 2019, and uh, and it was around that same time that uh, this new Netflix special came out. 
It was called Comedians of the World. And as the title would suggest, they had comedians from all these different countries all over the world, uh, all doing comedy in their native languages. Right? They were they were comedians from China doing comedy in Mandarin and Cantonese. There were comedians from France speaking in French. There were comedians from Spain doing comedy in Spanish. And uh <clears throat> one that like really, really, really resonated with me was in the Canada English section. There's a comedian named Ivan Decker. And uh he's uh, he's from BC. And that was like just the funniest thing I've ever seen. It was a beautiful, like just so tight, polished, hilarious, not a single word wasted in this 30 minute comedy special. And I think that was like the first time that I had laughed or smiled or really, you know, outwardly expressed any sort of joy for during that like lengthy depressive episode. And so, you know, my whole family kind of noticed and everybody was like, Oh, like, like, I mean, I, I was rewatching that special on repeat over and over and over again, just really having a good time with it. And my family noticed, and uh, it was it was my dad. He had suggested. He said, "Hey, you know, if you if, if you're really enjoying this, like, why don't we sign up for a comedy class? Let's go sign up for a stand up comedy class. We'll get you out of the house once a week, you know, just to kind of get uh, get the get the ball going." My dad, my dad used to do some comedy open mics like 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and uh, and he took a couple cl uh, improv classes with a buddy of his many many years ago at Second City, and so that's what we did. We went to, we went to Second City. We took uh, stand up comedy one at their program. It's a phenomenal program, phenomenal course. Highly recommend it to anybody in in the GTA who wants to learn comedy. Uh, I also, I mean, I, I can also shamelessly plug. I teach a comedy class now, and that'll and I'll plug that <laughs> later too. But which we're going to get into that because, uh, as I recall, somebody was supposed to to start teaching me sometime last year in September, October. He said he'll get back to me and we'll do a Zoom, and I haven't had back. So, um, what? Oh, no, no, I was supposed to hear back from you. You're talking I, I, some more I, shit now, Paula. I, I feel like I, I need you to go back and read to that message where you said, as soon as it comes down after my September, because remember, September was about to oh. be heavy on you, exactly. So it was, it was you reaching out heavy. to me, yes. Okay, it was super, super heavy. Yeah, September, October were, were really. We're, I we're have really the receipts, Ryan. I have the receipts. <laughs> But I, I I digress. Yeah. So I, so we took the we took the class and it was you know it was a great. Uh, I mean, just taking a comedy class with my dad was so unbelievably cool. And it was a seven week class, three hours a week, and uh, and just like I built up so much confidence. Like it was it was the only thing getting me out of the house at the time, and I was building up so much confidence that by the the end of those seven weeks, we had our big graduation show in front of friends and family at the John Candy Box Theater held like i think about 80 people at the time we had a sold out crowd and i actually i volunteered to go first i was like yeah i'm crushing this i'm gonna go first and the second i took the stage i was just like this is this is what i want to do this was it was such a magical just amazing and transformative experience to be able to uh yeah i mean just just to bring people joy like that's something i've always i've always wanted to do that's something i've always done in in various capacities and now it just happens to be through through the form of humor and i think i mean since then i've managed to kind of fuse you know uh comedy with with uh with my mental health work 
and uh, and find like this really cool kind of symbiosis to to help to help people and bring and bring people joy is really always my number one goal. And it's it's very funny that um, through mental health, right? We all somehow uh, find um, uh, what's the word like our passions. Like you literally did this and you even volunteered to be the first one and you killed it. And on that first time you realized how much passionate you are. It's the same with me and podcasting. Like I started it in 2020 and it was through the depression of um, everything that was going on with COVID and everything. And I needed something to, to, to keep me sane. I literally did my first case study, which I presented at uh, podcast. The very first time it was how podcasting saved my mental health. Because literally, as soon as I started putting it in there, it was like, I was like, oh my God, I actually love this shit. I want to do more. I want to keep. And you get to inspire people without even knowing that you are inspiring or doing it. But, and I don't care if not everybody's telling you, but once in a while you get that from one person and you're like, I don't care if it's even just one person. I'm going to keep crashing it because it's literally helping somebody out there. So it's amazing to see that most people who have gotten into their craft through their mental health, healing from them, it has brought them this purpose, which is ridiculously amazing. That's something. So sometimes you have to be like, I'm grateful I went through that because it brought me here. (laughs) Even though you're like them, but that was Five whole months of me just being under. <laughs> oh, don't and, even! I, I I haven't even spoken about my inpatient stay at the hospital yet. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and I want to say shout out to your dad because you know um we 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 have to give credit to the parents who notices our 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 battles and and try to help instead of trying to cover it because when it comes to mental health. Most people don't want to speak about it. They try to cover it. Most people don't want to tell their family and friends that, oh, my child is going with depression or anything because that's stigma. So for him to re- to see how you're reacting to that and to find ways to help you go through it with you, by your side, that, that, that that's incredible. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that, I mean. Yeah, that was so unbelievably helpful. All I mean, I also w- would be remiss. I mean, massive, massive shout out to my mom. She's amazing like she she's she, she's been like my primary caregiver while, while i've been in these long fugue states you know i mean i mean so my parents are divorced i i live with my mom right now um and and yeah she i mean she's been my number one person always like up just takes the best like if it wasn't for her we were you were you were talking earlier about uh about about you know not having that safety net and maybe being homeless like i would 1000 percent be on the street right now if it wasn't for my mom like, yeah, I I well, couldn't, uh, well, I couldn't possibly give her enough of a enough of a shout out here. Shout out to parents who who help and find ways and recognize that mental health is real and um, it's there. So is that the reason why um, comedy <coughs> style you call it too honest, self deprecating, and often edgy? Is that the reason why your style is called that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think when I first first started comedy back in 2019, which really isn't even that long ago. Like it, like I'm still quite new to this. Especially if you if you take out like the year and a half of like 
Zoom shows, which I mean, Zoom Zoom comedy gets a really bad rap. A lot of people really rag on it. I think it has its time and its place. I think I think it was still infinitely better better than doing nothing. I think it was I th- and I think even now today, like even with all the clubs open, it still has a lot of purpose. It's still really good to just like there you know there's Zoom mics all over the world. I can hop on a Zoom mic in the UK at like you know whatever whatever time I want because you know there's there's all these different times so it's amazing just to kind of run through new material with supportive people who are all kind of in that same boat. But uh, but yeah, no. When I first when I first started doing comedy, I uh, I wasn't I wasn't like doing a lot of autobiographical stuff. Um, it was just like a lot of opinion based stuff. Like it was it was a lot more kind of casual. It wasn't super 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 honest, super super uh, in depth and vulnerable. It was only really after uh, after after the pandemic hit, and then I, I was in the hospital for seven weeks. When I got out. And was like a little bit further on my recovery journey. Um, I started uh, I started writing comedy based off of my lived experience with mental health, and and was able to test that out in front of a, a wide audience from all over the world on Zoom. Which again, that's another another net positive for Zoom comedies. You get to try jokes out in front of people from all over the world, and you you I mean it makes you a better writer because you realize, hey, this really hyper specific geographical joke isn't going to work on an international scale might not even work uh in richmond hill versus sarnia versus niagara falls which i mean i mean there's a time and a place for for local jokes too i think local jokes are great you you will never get a bigger laugh than with just like the most casual fucking local joke about about like a like the mayor or something people die laughing but like you could never do that joke anywhere else but but uh but yeah, it was after it was after doing all those Zoom shows uh, and just kind of working through. Where like I'm never I'm not one to journal. I'm not a big journaler. My therapist always tells me I should journal, but I'm like, no, I don't. I don't even like like reading other people's stuff, and I like those people. I don't really even like myself. Why the fuck am I gonna read something that I wrote? Ryan, <laughs> I'm writing a book. You're gonna damn read my book. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm expecting a copy in the mail now. I'll send you my address. How long is it going to sit on the shelf before you actually touch it? Oh my god! If if my if my if my webcam wasn't built into my into my keyboard like this, like it's so dumb. It's built into my keyboard. It's not even like that's why I I, I normally I, I completely forgot to give you this disclaimer at the top where like it looks like I'm not even looking at you, like I'm looking at something in the distance, but I'm looking at my screen. But my webcam is down here. My screen is I, up here. So I figured so I figured that was just part of your comedy act. So I was just letting you have your 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 stage moment. Yeah, that's a, that's a really sad bit. Hey, I'm just going to like gaze off in the distance while I'm on this podcast. I mean, uh people with ADHD have different ways of staying, you know, concentrated yeah, and stuff. So I don't know what is your way, so who am I to be like Hey, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. My eyes are here. My eyes are up here. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I was just I was I was doing all the all this autobiographical stuff, and it was getting such a great response. You know, people were telling me like, "Oh my God, thank you so much for talking about that." You know, I feel so seen. It was very, and it was wildly cathartic for me too. 
because again, I was saying, you know, I don't, I'm not really one to journal. I don't like journaling. Although I wish I had journaled when I was in the hospital, because there are so many details from that that are so fuzzy for me because of, well, I mean, depression, like one, one, uh, one, one symptom of depression that nobody talks about enough is memory loss. Like, I know you, you're like, you're like, did that happen or did I dream about it? Or was it like real life or did I watch it on TV? Or... And sometimes you just don't even remember at all. Like, I mean, cause your brain is like, I mean, it's layman's terms, but like your brain is in hibernation mode. So it's not taking in all of this information and storing it. Like it's just, you're just struggling to survive at that point. Not to mention when I was in the hospital, I had 10 rounds of ECT and that, uh, that definitely doesn't help with the old memory. Not at all. Wow. Um, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're like, oh my God, this got so heavy. We were joking about like memory and, and all this weird shit. And you just dropped shock therapy on us. What the? But it kind of brings me to um, my next thing. Like, is that why, uh, why it's important for you to like explore the... Um, you mind your challenges with your mental illness. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I mean, so like, like I said, I, so I was admitted to CAMH, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. It's uh, it's Canada's largest mental health hospital, based in Toronto. They are so amazing. I could never even begin to repay that that immense debt of gratitude that I owe them. They, it's, it's the hospital that saved my life. And they were so amazing, and I was so I was admitted. I, I, I'll never forget the date. It's like a, it's like an anniversary date, you know. I'm never gonna forget. I was admitted on June second, twenty twenty, right at like peak pandemic. Like it was freaky deaky. Like everybody had masks, face shield, yellow gown. Like everybody was like stormtroopers in there. Uh, we weren't allowed visitors. We weren't. Uh, we I weren't figured it. Like you were really isolated, even for patients to patients. I believe they ended up having to isolate you guys because of course everybody was getting isolated there were there were indeed some people who got isolated they had like a specific section uh in one of the other buildings that uh for for people who had covid um but uh but we were allowed to mix and mingle you know we, we all had masks on in the in the common areas um most people had their own private rooms too uh private bedrooms or or had like one roommate but uh but yeah, so I was, that's why I was admitted. Uh, I was there for seven weeks. And when I was discharged, um, I'll never forget uh, what, what my social worker said to me. Because at uh, like uh, every single day, every single floor was given their own social worker. And she would meet with us every day for like 15, 20 minutes just to do a check-in, see how everybody was doing, uh, you know, talk about goals for when you wanted to get out and things like that. And when I was when I was uh, be in the process of being discharged, she said she said to me, she said, Ryan, you need to go to school and be a social worker. Like I talked to everybody on the floor every day, and they've all said how much they value and appreciate and have been helped uh, by having conversations with you while you've been here. And and I think it's just something you're really really well suited for, and and I highly encourage you to go do it. And and that. Like that resonated, that stuck with me so hard. I was like, wow, that is the best praise. But, but then you went out and became a comedian. 
I was already I was already a comedian, Paula. I had been doing comedy from July of 2019 until March of 2020. I got in a solid nine months before I got admitted to the hospital. Drastically different style of comedy than what I do now, though. I'm gonna I'm gonna put some respect on your title. Okay, you were already a comedian, and then you left after getting that big compliment, and you still went back to being a comedian. You're like, yeah, yeah, I can help people, but I prefer making them laugh with my with my mental illness jokes. Well, I do I do a little bit of both. I do a little bit of both because because uh, like, like I said it really did uh it really did resonate with me and so I was like at the time when I got discharged I mean it still took me a couple of months after I got out of the hospital to to sort out all my medication and kind of get you I mean recovery from ECT is definitely like it you know after 10 straight rounds of well it's not straight like it was three three times a week it was Monday Wednesday Friday and I wound up having 10 10 rounds but uh the recovery from that was uh was a whole thing too but when i was starting to feel normal nor- normal is a bad word uh when i was starting to feel just better when i when i when i was continuing to improve uh, on my recovery journey then yeah i started writing uh writing writing comedy about it but also uh i actually went and i got my peer support certification i was uh i was looking because i said i said to myself you know social work 100 percent. that sounds super cool that's something i'd be very very interested in but I also didn't want to commit to like a two-year master's degree fresh out of the hospital. So I was like, what's like a litmus test I could try? What's something small like that's on that same track where I can kind of get a taste of it and see if it's right for me? I did I did the same thing when I went and taught English in Thailand back in 2016 because I thought I wanted to be a, a public school teacher. I wanted to be a high school teacher. And I was like, mm, you know what? Before I go to two years of teacher's college, Maybe I'll go teach English in Thailand, combine my passions for teaching and, and travel. That wound up not working out for various reasons. But uh, but so in this case, I went and I got my peer support certification. Uh, I got my certification with the Mood Disorder Association of Ontario, the MDAO. They have a great program called Hope and Me. It was a, it was a couple of months. We met weekly and, uh, and it was awesome. And I learned so much and it really, I, I think, just like fundamentally changed my worldview as a person too. And I became, you know, it really helped foster a lot of empathy and understanding and, and the lessons I've taken from that class uh, and that course and that certification not don't only apply to my work as a peer support worker now career-based, but also just in real life, like just in everyday personal life to be able to take some of those lessons uh, and, and apply them. And so, so yeah, so I did. So, so, I mean, I started uh, working in mental health as well. And uh, I actually wound up working for a community housing nonprofit uh, in Toronto uh, for several months. Uh, And that was, that was amazing. I was bouncing back and forth between like eight different, eight different sites, working with people with, uh, with mental, with mental health uh, challenges, addiction challenges, uh, some people who were formerly homeless and uh and that was that was also really eye opening and just so unbelievably rewarding uh, i built so many amazing relationships with so many of our client members and and learned a lot about myself too unfortunately i i wound up learning that working that many hours in a full like like in a in a in a in an 8 hours straight of a frontline mental health job where i always had to be on was a little too taxing for me 
the irony is not lost on me that working on the front lines of mental health was really poor for my mental health. But, uh, but, but, uh, so, but it, it kind of forced me, you mean, uh, like I said, I learned something new about myself and I learned that the advocacy side is what I'm really, really passionate about and, uh, and what I'm probably best suited for. Not, not to say that I'm not suited for, uh, for frontline work. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I built really good rapport with people. I'm still a great support person for a lot of people. Um, and even the comedy class that I teach now uh, with Cam H is uh, is part peer support group, part comedy uh, workshop. Like it's a little bit of both. Like I'm still a peer support worker first in there. That is always like the mental health of uh, of the participants of that class is always the number one priority. And, and and I get that. First, um, kudos for you for giving back to the community that needs it, and um, for because th- there's a lot to get out of it. But I also understand you. Like I suffer with depression, so I know frontline because I know my mental health and I know how much I can take and how much. Because if I'm on social media, I can just shut it off and give myself peace. If if, yeah. if if I if I'm on a Zoom or something, I can just be like internet connection and then switch it off. Like, but constantly eight hours. Like, even with my friends, like literally, I've ended relationship and people. When I realize that, okay, yes, because some people abuse mental health. The the mental health in itself, they feel like I hate when people constantly are dragging it and not really looking like I hate people who are constantly complaining or just like. And sometimes, yes, it's not their fault. It's the illness, but I also can't. It's how my head is programmed. I'm like, oh my God, here we go again. I don't want. So I get like, I feel like if I was on front line eight hours every year, that would drain my mental health as well. So I want to help, but I want, uh, while helping, I also have to be aware of my mental health and how much I can give and get. That's why I'm more in the advocacy as well. Like, I want to preach about it. I want to bring awareness to it. And if I can give eight hours a week, that's okay. But eight hours in a day, in like three, four days, that, no. And I and I love the space. I want to give back. So it's nothing bad about saying like, yo, being in the front line is not, because it's true. It is. I am follow toxic pages on Instagram if I see like yo no no I and I tell people if you feel like I'm toxic for you unfollow me block me I would understand do what's best for your mental health so mm. I don't like putting myself in there but kudos for people who do because that shit is not easy constantly being a, a support uh, that shit is draining it's not so. I appreciate and value everyone who's doing that. And if you have people that do that for you constantly, appreciate the hell out of them. Now, as, uh, as speaking of that, the teaching, you teach um, stand-up comedy. And it's, it's a fun fact, actually, because when I messaged you the first time, you were literally starting this job the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I messaged you on August 16 and you were starting on August 17 and I was like, oh my God, I'm cheering you on. Go kill it. So how has that been for you? I mean, it's been absolutely amazing. It's been so much fun and and, and it came out like so organically. It was just such a, like, like I kind of, it, it, it's all just kind of fallen into my lap in, in, a, in a way, in a manner of speaking, like it, sometimes it doesn't feel real how how quick some of these opportunities have been coming and just getting these cool pro really cool projects greenlit because 
Uh, it, it was it, it originally started because I was uh, I was running some fundraiser shows. I was doing mental health themed comedy fundraisers, uh, and I'll plug my next one later and later later in this episode. But uh, yes, but uh, I was doing mental health fu- comedy fundraisers for for CAMH for the hospital, and uh, and I'd done a couple of those and raised a good amount of money. And one of my friends, uh, who who's, who's actually like one of my sister's best friends, and we've we've since become friends too. Uh, her name is Brooke. She's amazing. She works at CAMH as a research analyst, and she came out to all my shows. She's been so supportive, like like a huge rock, and supporting me in uh, in my mental health and comedy work. Uh, and she told me, like, hey, you know, we have this uh, educational branch of CAMH, and it's called the Collaborative Learning College. And uh, and what they do is they have people with lived experience teaching workshops to other people with lived experience. Um, anybody can take these classes. They're 100% free. Uh, anybody who self-identifies with like literally anything like that, like you don't have to explain yourself. There's nothing. You literally just put in your, your, your contact information uh, and, and you're good to go and you're registered for a class. And I think that's so cool. Um, and so, so yeah, so I've, I've, I've done, I've done two courses now so far. Uh, I did a six week from, from mid August until uh, straight through September. Uh, and that was the first one because I started, I, it took me about two, three months to develop all of the course material and kind of things that I thought were important, kind of, you know, some mental health aspects that we were talking about, some of the comedy aspects. And then one thing that's like super, super important to me that I think, uh, I don't really, I haven't seen this in any, uh, other comedy class and that's not, uh, not a dig at anybody else. I just think, uh, I just think I'd like, I'd like to see more of it. I have an entire week just about the ethics of comedy and how to be ethical and how to make sure that we're not, uh, that, that, that we're not punching down, you know, t- talking about the difference between punching up and punching down, talking about, uh, how to, how to, you know, approach, approach certain sensitive topics properly. Like I always give, uh, I always give a content warning, uh, even during my shows when I'm per- so like when I when I run mental health themed shows off the top, I give a content warning of like, hey, here's a whole bunch of things that we might talk about on this show. You know, we might talk about depression. We're going to talk about medication. We're going to talk about suicidal ideation. We're going to talk about hospitalization. And that's just me off the top, you know, <laughs> but uh, but then uh, but even but even like in the middle of a set, if I'm doing uh, if I'm doing uh, some mental health comedy just on any random show i will always before i get to 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 any sort of dark depressive and like really uh really vulnerable and potentially triggering material i will always do a quick check-in and like a like a temperature check with the audience be like hey i've been talking about this now now i'm going to talk about depression like are we cool with that you know how we feeling and i usually try and get everybody to give a big round of applause for depression everybody yeah if you you ever go to like fuck no i'm not here for that Thankfully, no. Thankfully, no. Um, I mean, I'm sure it'll happen to one show. day. I, I need to come to your show and just be disruptive. Everything you have said that has never happened, I'm taking notes, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna. I see you taking notes. I can literally see you looking down with your with your little notepad, just being like, "Okay, so this is the heckle I'm gonna give him if I come to him show, and this is how I'm gonna make fun of him at the you know twenty minutes into this podcast." And this, I'm prepared. <laughs> I feel you. I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Let's go to war, baby. 
but that's so incredible and um so this is when after he told me that i was like oh my god so fucking cool you teach people i was like yeah i'll give you a class too and um <clears throat> the rest is <clears throat> but <laughs> just fyi I am going to court first end of this month and I will be in a panel, a mental health panel where um it's actually called uh finding freedom from your trauma. Oh, that's and awesome. I know. So I need some depression jokes. You know the ones you're supposed to teach me all the way in September last year. Now is when we're going to put you to good use. Give me some jokes for my panel so at least people I can make people uncomfortable. You know, I love making people uncomfortable like for real like that's one of my favorite shit to ever do like like even at work my managers will be like Paul, was that necessary? I'm like, yeah, I kind of just like to say something and just see the card like let's see who got the yeah. balls. What you going to say? <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, I mean, I mean, I mean, that, that's kind of what comedy, like, like on a base level, that's what comedy is, right? It's tension and release. You know, you give people a setup, and they're getting a little uncomfortable. You're building tension. They're like, "What's gonna happen?" And we're trying to solve. We're trying to solve for X, right? You're trying to figure out the, you know, put this puzzle together, and then your punchline is that left turn, that right turn, you know, that surprise. That's like, oh shit, that wasn't what I was expecting. And then you kind of release that tension through laughter. Is the they are the basic psychology of laughter. Not that I'm like any fucking expert on that. You know, I'm not a I'm not right? a doctor, but right. but I'm very well read in the in the psychology of comedy. Oh, look at you. You actually do read. So you better read my book. I'm just saying, I'm repeating this. This is the second time I'm repeating. So <laughs> you, you haven't even told me the name of the book. Like you you mentioned this book so many times. Plug it on the podcast. Plug it right now. I'm doing your uh, job now. I'm gonna encourage you to plug your own shit on this on your own podcast. Because this book was supposed to come out last year, so I'm trying not to overdo it. Because last year I overpromised the book, and and I got self distracted. So the plan is this year to not get self distracted and actually produce. But the title is um, I realized um, my case study title. And it did give out so many opinions and brought so many connections, which was how podcasting saved my mental health. So that's the book I'm writing about my my mental health journey with my depression and how I came to my 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 passion and just my journey in the mental health world. So I like the title, like how podcasting saved my mental health. Like yeah, people be amazing. like, well, what? What the fuck? Compared to just mental health, you know, sometimes people try to stay away from mental health, but then people also want to be walk like, yes, I know what the fuck is going on with the mental health. So it's like that. So when you have something that kind of makes them curious, like, wait, podcasting saved their mental health? What the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely, that's, a, that's like a really good, like, clickbait kind of title too, like to like to click on. And and, and that's not to, not to, not to like, uh, like down like demean it or like or like kind of down downgrade the seriousness of that i just mean that that's like a, a title that would really resonate with a lot of people because that's just exactly very very interesting I, yes. I love that that's a great title thank you look at you you see you can give compliments i love that so yeah. oh yeah <laughs> i'm big on words of validation and affirmation a thousand percent. Oh, thank you. So, Ryan, um, you are a co-producer and a host of the um, weekly Amateur Nights at um, Joker's Theatre, if I'm not mistaken, and um, and Comedy Club. And recently, uh, at Paradise Theatre, you got um, showcase for Be Best of Fresh. 
top comedy rising stars. That's that's a big thing. So how how does how has that been for you? First of all, how do you balance all that? Because with your mental health and you have all this going on, you're also teaching and you're a rising star. So you know. <laughs> That can be easy in them in them streets, you know. So how has all this been for you and how do you balance it all? For sure. So I mean, I mean, so first and foremost, in regards to balancing, uh that's why I dropped off the face of the earth in September. <laughs> you see, so you, I, I wasn't lying. You literally at one point you were like, I would see on my timeline then for some some you just say like, i'm gonna pull this up i'm gonna pull i'm gonna pull up the chats right now because i still I don't, I don't know if i said i will contact you i said hit me up I'm pretty, i always said we're pulling it we're pulling it up baby this pull is happening live <laughs> this is happening live on this podcast i'm my phone's out i'm scrolling we're living oh this is gonna be great See? fair fair totally fair. i mean that's that's why i'm medicated for adhd now so yes, so maybe the blame should go 80%. And we are going to talk hey, about you're just, <laughs> you're just like going up and up and up. You're you're a tough negotiator. I should bring you in the room when I buy my next car. <laughs> you know, it, it it comes with um I used to argue a lot and I went to law school. So um now let's talk a little bit about your mental illness journey. So um you you talked about depression you talked about um um bipolar disorder there's ADHD and you've been in the so share with us how you, that journey came about for you in the mental health space for sure i mean i mean so so like i was formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder in march of 2019 but i had t- i mean uh, multiple uh bipolar episodes prior to that uh the first one that I think my family saw was uh, was in the summer of 2016 uh, when I went to uh, I literally on like on like a week's notice I uh, I I had a uh, a Skype interview that's how you know how how long ago that was I had a Skype interview before Zoom was even a thing uh, with this, oh my uh, god Skype was the shit I mean I like Zoom I like Zoom I, I like. I, actually, when I teach when I teach my class, my comedy class, we use a we use a program called WebEx, which is very similar. But uh, some of the functionality is not quite as good, but some of it is amazing. I can actually like take a picture of me, and it like takes me out of the background, and I can superimpose myself on my teaching slides, and I can move myself around and drag myself, make myself bigger That's or smaller, so and like point and like point at things, which is hilarious and so cool. I love and it. for comedy class, that's like a, a, a bonus, like right there. <laughs> oh, huge, huge plus! I love it. But uh, sorry, th- this, this, this is my ADHD that just keeps like going away from the original questions. We're going I know. On it's great. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna get the answer either way. So back to it. <laughs> but but yeah, so so uh, so I think my first. Uh, yeah, the first big thing, like, like, like I, I had experienced uh, bouts of depression in university, uh, you know, uh, between between 2011 and 2015 when I was getting my undergrad at Laurier, at Wilfrid Laurier University. Um, I went through some pretty long bouts of depression where like I just didn't leave, didn't, really didn't leave the house except to like force myself to go to my classes. And then, you know, uh, <clears throat> and then I'd like 
spend every other waking moment in bed or or like you know just in my room i think i wa- like i binge watched so many series i think i watched like all like all of fraser in like a week like and that's a lot there's a lot of yeah oh it's a good show it's a really good show it really is i love fraser <laughs> i will I, I mean i that's just one it like i watched every single season of like every single show like it was just that's that's kind of all i did for for a couple of months but then on the flip side i mean i i think since i've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder i've kind of like i don't, I don't know if it's healthy or unhealthy but I, I've kind of gone through my entire life history with like a fine tooth comb and kind of been like, hmm, was this caused by the, you know, was it, was this action caused by depression? Was this a, man, a hypomanic episode or was this just like life? Cause that, that, that's a big misunderstanding with, uh, with bipolar disorder too. And that's something that I try and I, there's actually like an educational component to my comedy too about bipolar disorder that like everybody thinks like, oh, you're either hot, you're cold, but it's like, there are long, long periods of just stability in between, right? Like I'm not always up or down. I'm like, you know, right in the middle in my Goldilocks zone a lot of the time. Uh, I mean, there are obviously many different types of bipolar disorder. There, there's cyclothymia, which has a lot more uh, different, you know, uh, a lot more rapid, rapid, uh, rapid episodes, rapid switching between mania and depression. Um, cycling rapid cycling was the word i was looking for uh i had to think about it but yeah there's a i mean rapid cycling with uh with cyclothymia but like generally like i i have bipolar type 2 uh and that's characterized more by shorter episodes of hypomania so don't, i don't experience full-blown mania it's not i i I, this, I kind of like equate it to like aids and hiv as as an analogy when i when i explain it to people we're like we're like mania is like full-blown aids and hypomania is like hiv like it's 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 still bad it's not good it's still the same disease but it's like a less immediately serious and that's not to say that all man like full manic episodes are also super uh dangerous or anything either um but like i will never i've never experienced any psychosis uh which which is sometimes characteristic of of a of a like a proper manic episode um i don't i don't get detached from reality i don't uh it mainly my my hypomania characterized itself mainly in a a couple of ways where like I, i i talk a lot faster um i i sleep a lot less where like i i get like three hours of sleep and have more energy than anybody else in the room who's getting their proper eight um lots of online shopping like just impulse controls completely gone like like so like dude i was getting like 10 amazon packages delivered every week it was do do you need my do you need my address i i feel like you should you should share the shopping spread it around you know send it send some my way you know, Didn't I, we just I, establish I, that I live I, at home? I, I can't I, afford rent. You think I, I can buy you things? Listen, you should just, pay me. I'm a podcast Just because ju- ju- people live at home doesn't mean they can't afford shit. There's a reason why they live at home so that they can afford other shit instead of paying rent. So please <laughs> don't give me that bullshit excuse. And if you are you are receiving 10 packages of amazon you're already spending it so just do five 
come this side and then five come to you. There we go. Well, this, this, this was a number of years ago. I've been medicated for the last three and a half years. <laughs> I, I, uh... So wait, wait first. In the beginning, you had started with a story about Skype. You say that's how your family yes. found out. So how, yes. I, I want to okay. hear that story. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. See, we, I, I've, I've done I it know. again. I know. Oh, my God. The Adderall like, hasn't kicked this, in yet. Like, this interview is draining me. Like, oh, my fucking God. No, I I'm tend joking. to have that effect on women. <laughs> Wait, the good, the good draining or the bad draining? Because you know, draining can can Pick work both ways. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Porque no los dos? You know, if you're a fan of old El Paso. But, but, uh, but no, I digress. While you're struggling to get air, I will continue my story about the Skype interview. So, so yeah, it was really cool. Like, uh, it was, it was, it was in 2016. I was, uh, I was like the. I was an assistant manager at a Kelsey's. I, I, I was kind of working my way up, but I was, I, I thought like, Oh, like, like I, that's why I related when you said, you know, uh, that you wanted to do hospitality and all that. I was in the restaurant industry for, for a decade. Like I've, I've worked in every single restaurant imaginable. Uh, the worst kind of restaurant is one where you can't afford the food on the menu. I, I, Fuck I, you, I, McDonald's. I, I, I feel like um, you just can't keep a job because you're telling me you've worked in every. <laughs> well, no, I just sometimes need a, a change of pace. Sometimes I need a change of pace. Sometimes I I have fallen into into the. I mean, you, I'm I'm comfortable with uh, with, with saying this. We were talking at the beginning, you know, that sometimes people share too much. I'm comfortable sharing tons. One of the restaurants I left be, uh, because I was sexually assaulted by a coworker. Uh, so like, there's there, there's tons of various. A girl or to, a guy? A guy. Oh. Yeah. Damn. But, was, but at least, was, uh, and, and this is me not condemning um, social sex, but I also can't talk but make a joke because, again, um, he's a comedian, and I feel like I'll be like, oh, my God, I missed that opportunity. So I, 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 at least you know both ways you turn heads. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a, valley, a valiant effort for sure. Don't quit your day job, though. <laughs> That's why I need classes, okay? That's why I, I know. need classes, clearly. We're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. You have my word now. I'm going to, you know what I, what I, what I started doing now, because uh, I've been working on this uh, in therapy and then, and then also uh, just, you know, doing a lot of my own research. And now that I, now that I'm on the Adderall, I've started like everything is in my Google calendar now. And, and it's all color coded. We're like, like if I know that like 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 I tell somebody like hey I'm gonna hit you up in a couple of months now I put it in my Google Calendar and I'll like make like a like yellow is for appointments for me and so I'll put a big yellow in like a month and I'll be like reach out to Paula to teach her how to do mental health jokes. Okay, guys, you had it here. This time he said he's going to put it in the calendar. So if he leaves me hanging again, it's, I don't know here. what excuse he's going to come up with. I'm gonna put it in right now. Look at it. I'm pulling up my do phone. Do it. Do it. Do Are it. You... Okay. So what? I'm going to hit you up on Monday, February 13th. And I'm going to hit you up at, you said you're free after six. I usually eat around six. So we're going to, we're going to hit you up. I'm going to hit you up at eight 30 on February 13th. 
I gotta say, he needs time to to digest after he eats because he was literally talking about poop right before we started this. You're the one who started talking about shit, and you didn't even record it. It was so good for bloopers, it'd be so good. You said shit like 20 times, and I'm like, we're gonna talk about some shit today. Like, this is talk shit with P. You weren't kidding about talking shit. I was like, hey, if this is gonna be a shit based podcast, like. Yo, in the show notes, like I will take pictures. You can put them in the show notes. I'll send you high quality PNGs over a megabyte per file. Like I'll give you the raw photography. HD. 4K, baby. I have a Google Pixel. The photography is amazing. I will finally go. I I, I believe you. (laughs) I I love it. Finish the Skype Skype story. (laughs) Skype story. Okay, we're back. We're back. We're back. Okay. <clears throat> so I was working in the restaurant, decided, hey, I want to be a teacher. One, one, of, one of my close friends, uh, one, of my, one of my close personal friends uh, works for the school board here in York Region. Or, or he did at the time. Now he's a principal. But uh, at the time, he was working directly at the school board. And he, and he was like, yeah, like we have such a shortage of teachers and you speak fluent French. And like you, you're, you'd be guaranteed a job like right out of school pretty much. I was like, cool. Awesome. But again, going back to what I said like f- fuck, like an hour ago, I was like, uh, like I wanted a litmus test. I wanted to try out teaching before committing to two years of teacher's college. So <clears throat> I said, I'm going to teach English in, in Thailand. And so literally did, did, a, did like a, a couple days of research, found, found, a, found a job opening at this school in the middle of bumblefuck nowhere in Thailand. Like it was, it's, it's in the Nakhon Rachasima province. The, the city's called Dankun Tot. It's like four hours away from Bangkok. So rural. Like I, I was like the only white guy for like uh, hundreds of kilometers in any direction. And, uh, and so I had a Skype interview with uh, with the head of their English department. It was like all of like 20, 25 minutes. Uh, and they were like, cool, you start like the semester starts in like a week and a half. I'm like, oh, shit. OK, cool. So I rushed over to the Thai consulate and like fast tracked my my visa and <clears throat> and I got my police screening and I got all my vaccinations. And like within like a week, week and a half, boom, my whole life was packed. I'm like. I live in Thailand now, baby. Uh, and, and, and the, the goal was to, I think it was like a, like a six month teaching contract or I think four months, but they were going to renew me after the summer for like a second semester. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to teach here and I'm going to go backpacking around Southeast Asia. And I even thought I was going to go to, to Germany to go to uh, get, get my teachers, like get, go to teachers college in Germany. Cause I had figured out a, a, there was a program where I could apply and go for free as opposed to paying for school here. Uh, and that was going to be super cool. And then I got there and I started teaching at the school and it was a, it was a very like, I mean, <clears throat> like my mental health issues that, that came aside, it was a very bad situation just in so far as again, uh, like I was, I, I was like, I didn't have any teaching qualifications. The only, my only qualification was the color of my skin and the fact that I'm a native English speaker in North America, which I mean, like, it's fine. Like, you mean, like, obviously I was okay with it at the time. I was, uh, now, now that I look back at it, like this was a hypomanic episode for sure. Like I was just so gung ho. Didn't think, you know, it's, it's all about like, uh, like risky behavior, risk-taking behavior. 
And so like, I didn't vet anything. Like I didn't ask them what kind of classes I'd be teaching. I didn't ask them if they had curriculums. I didn't ask them about what my living quarters would look like, or like get a look at the apartment. turns out my apartment was beautiful. It was, it was fantastic. And the rent was like 110 bucks a month or something. Like it was silly. I was living right off, like, like right off a lake that it was beautiful. I went to school in Malaysia. I was there for five oh, years. Awesome. So I've, I've lived in Asia and travel. So I used to have a three bedroom for 500 a month, like a oh, three bedroom. Like, like you can get, you can get a one bedroom for 500 over here. <laughs> you, you can get a one bedroom for 2000 over here. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but no, so, so like, I didn't, I didn't vet anything. Right. And I, and now I can look back with the, with the power of hindsight and say like, yeah, this was definitely a hypomanic episode. Uh, probably that started a little bit prior to me leaving and then, and then was still kind of up while I was there. And I taught for about a week, uh, before, before I wound up leaving. Like I just kind of fell, I was, I was riddled with so much anxiety and all this. I was also, uh, in charge of like teaching English to like all their grades like like literally i had 40 different classes and i only got to meet with them each once like one hour a week uh and each class had like 25 to 30 students so i was in responsible for like over a thousand students uh, just kind of thrust into this with like no experience at all um and so i mean apart from like you know just you know like the thing with the thing with bipolar disorder too is that like when you have a manic episode it is always followed by a depressive episode because like what goes up must come down right it's one of those things you go down you kind of use up all of the like all of your happy chemicals all of your all, all of your mental energy all of the neurotransmitters get used to kind of like uh like bipolar disorder is actually very similar to epilepsy in that way uh it's actually a lot of a lot of bipolar medications like mood, the the mood stabilizers are actually just anticonvulsant medications d- originally developed for for epilepsy uh because it's a very similar process in the brain with just a lot of like like I don't know all of the science and so I don't want to like nobody quote me on this don't cancel me for for spewing out uh you know false mental health facts but like generally my very very basic layman understanding of it is that it's very similar to epilepsy in the sense that there's like lots of right like like just 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 misfirings in the brain um and so in the same way that like when you're convulsing right and you're and you're having a, a seizure you're using so much energy you're using muscles that you've never used before and and and, and at the end of it right like like I, I have a couple of friends with epilepsy and they've told me like they're so exhausted for like for like days after like a really really big uh you know uh, epilepsy episode and I've so heard that. the same is true for for bipolar disorder where like you're using up all of this mental energy being go 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 being so high that you you just crash and you and you just hit this crippling depression and that's the thing with with uh with bipolar 2 uh, bipolar type two is that those depressive episodes are so long and that's why it's sometimes hard to to diagnose bipolar type two because it presents a lot more like just major depressive disorder uh because there's those really really long 
bouts of depression and so it's hard to and and then the the mania is like the hypomania isn't necessarily as easy to to spot unless you unless you're having multiple of those episodes and you're doing like really big uh things with uh dur- during those hypomanic episodes as opposed to like uh like you know uh van- like vanilla classic mania that's maybe a little bit more more easy to uh to spot to uh for the untrained eye you know just from friends and family and stuff but uh so that's kind of what happened in this hypomanic episodes yeah i'm gonna teach english in thailand didn't vet the job at all got there taught for a week fell into like a depression quit the job they were super understanding they were really cool about it thank god like they 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 got it you know i was just like yeah like i i can't do this it's like i'm not feeling well i'm not feeling healthy they were super understanding i took a bus to bangkok and I poured alcohol on the depression for like two weeks uh, and then moved home because that's right. That's that's the standard coping mechanism for undiagnosed Apple. and untreated uh, mental illness was just, yeah, copious amounts. Drink of it up. Drink it up. Yep. I feel that. And um, December 7th, you had a post up. Um, well, first of all, I want to give it up to you for at least going out there. You did your best, and for noticing that, like, listen, this is not for me. I'm ready because sometimes people have that, like, oh my god, if I decide no, I fail, and then it gets worse. They end up killing themselves because everything is just that shame of, oh, I failed or anything. But it's never failing. The, the fact that you you allowed yourself to experience that for as long as you could, that's already a win because you took the chance, whether it worked out or not. That's not failing. So kudos on you on that. And um, you did put up a post on December 7th uh, where you finally decided to, to, to start taking Adderall. Um, why did you decide that and how is that decision since then? Right now it's been a month and something. How has that been for you? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, yeah, it was a very long and vulnerable uh, social media post. And I, and I, and I, and I kind of want to start doing more of that. Because that's you know I'm I'm slowly building a platform and and people you know it's it's very relatable content and I'm like if I'm gonna talk about it on stage to people oh, yeah. and they're, oh, I actually sorry. Sa- sorry I actually saved it but because we don't have much time I was gonna read it but it was a very touching um post and very open and honest and I think in the mental health industry those real authentic openness is what people need to to realize like oh my god okay so and because everybody when it comes also to medication with mental health everybody has a different idea different effect and we kind of briefly talked about this in the inbox when we're catching up so it's always nice to hear from other people on how they are because again everybody depending with their body and their it's it, everybody's reflect to it is different so Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I mean, there's so many different medications out there and different medications affect different people differently. Like, like I, uh, I was, uh, when I was first diagnosed, I was taking Seroquel, which, which is like heavily sedating. Where like, I, I literally was like starting on like the, like the babyest dose titrating up and was taking 25 milligrams and it would like knock me out cold. And I felt horrible. Whereas the th- standard therapeutic dose and many of my, my friends with bipolar disorder who take Seroquel, are on like three to 600 milligrams and they're, and they operate like not some of them, some of them still don't operate great on it and they're, they're not huge fans, but some people are like totally fine with it. So like 
everybody metabolizes different medications differently. And some people don't want medication at all. And that's that's a valid choice, too. There's absolutely no shame in in not wanting to be medicated. There's no shame in wanting to be medicated. I think everybody everybody's entitled to their own uh, th their own decisions, their own bodily autonomy. I would never I would never force or, or like uh, you know, tell anybody to to take or not to take meds. It's all it's all a deeply personal choice. Which but, is very true because uh, I feel like for me, my reason why I'm kind of off on medication is because I, I kind of like feeling every kind of feeling instead of relaying it on medicine. And also I had sleeping issues, like literally, and I tried sleeping pills to the extent where I got addicted to them. Like they, oh. not addicted, but kind of like they stopped working for me. Like I can literally take a sleeping pill and nothing happens. So that's yeah. my fear with medication. I'm like, <laughs> Uh, even when it came also to personal things like birth control, I used to not even want to take that. Like, so it's not just a mental health medication. There's just anything to do with medication. After that, I just feel like I don't want it when I actually end up needing it. I might not be able to use it because my body has already outgrown it. So that's my kind of fear. But yeah, oh, for sure. People, if, it, if it works for you, do you? Like, I know it, to me, maybe like you. When it gets to that point where I'm like, fuck it, okay, now I really need it, I will, I'm not offended to it, like, no, I just don't want to not give up too easy, but because I know my body gets so easily attached to that thing and eventually it stops working, I want to make sure I use it at the right time, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, and that's also, like, every decision about medication is totally valid, especially, you know I mean, especially, I mean, you, you seem like you're doing great, you're podcast podcasting is your medication now podcasting saved your saved your mental health right i mean i still I, I still i i still have my depression days i'm not gonna lie and i tell this to people um it doesn't go away we just find ways to manage it better or to see the signs earlier like the days where i can see it coming and i'm like okay i need to distract myself so that i don't go into that hole so i'll find ways and then there's some days i'll be like you know what I kind of feel like just being down, laying on the couch, not talking to anybody. I just want to feel it. But I also know when to to get out before it actually swallows me. Because so it, I, mm -hmm. I found a way to balance it and to know, but I'm not healed. I still have my days and their days. Like in October when I lost my job, I was even thinking about suicide. So I'm not going to say I'm healed or I don't have those fucking bad days. But I just find ways to go about it where I'm not allowing myself to, to die. And even when I allow myself, I allow myself at a certain level. Like, okay, at some point you got to get yourself out. And so, yeah. So as, as you taking Adele, since you have taken, has it kind of changed your life? Made it worse, made it easier, especially with your comedy? Any... Yeah, it's it's been it's been interesting. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm still sort of sorting out the dosage and everything. Like some of my friends with with ADHD who take who take uh, Adderall or Vyvanse, I I heard some anecdotal evidence, uh, like anecdotal stories where people were like, literally, like the same day or like the next day, they felt like such a huge difference. I don't think I've necessarily felt that immediate massive change yet. It was also, I mean, I'm also on a very small dose because. I mean, and, 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 you know, um, I, I talked about that a little bit in that, in that long, in that long social media post too, that, uh, right. That's, that's the thing with bipolar disorder, bipolar disorder and, and treating ADHD, like right. Adderall is literally pure amphetamines. 
right? It's a stimulant. And giving a stimulant to a bipolar patient who is not adequately uh, protected against manic episodes. And so like the, the medication I take uh, for my bipolar disorder is Lamotrigine or uh, brand name Lamictal, but I take the generic because I'm poor. Uh, but uh, it's Lamotrigine and it's a, it's an anticonvulsant med that's used as a mood stabilizer for, for bipolar disorder. It is only, uh, it only really offers me uh, protection against bipolar depression. It's not an anti-manic agent. And there was a time about a year ago when we were uh, a little, a little over a year ago when we were first examining uh, the fact that uh, uh, my ADHD, uh, we were we were kind of messing around with medications to try and add like a second med to protect me against mania. And so we went back and we tried the Seroquel again, and it didn't really work. It was just making me feel horrible. And then I started taking this other med called a Senapine. Um, and it was even worse where like, I started having just these horrible facial tics to the point where like, like I was literally like squinting my face, like over and over again, like every like 10, 15 seconds to the point where like, I didn't drive. I couldn't drive for the, like the, the time, the, the short time that I was on it because it wasn't safe. Like, you know, when you're driving and you're like, and you have to sneeze and you're like, oh, fuck, no, I can't. Like, what if, what if somebody like, cut, like tries to cut me off just as I'm sneezing and I blink? Imagine doing that like fucking a hundred times in a row on the way to get somewhere. So we stopped that and we kind of decided the, the risk reward wasn't worth it at that point in time. We were like, hey, you know, uh, clearly, clearly adding more and more medications because then we didn't even right. Like that was just adding an anti-manic agent to what I was taking. Imagine adding Adderall on top of that. Oh my god! Kind of how that was all going. So we kind of decided risk reward wasn't worth it at the time. Um, but then over the last year, right in all of 2022, I've I've just really yeah been been dealing with so much executive dysfunction and and struggling with relationships and struggling with friendships and making sure that I'm like staying on top of things, struggling with organization because like I'm my own boss now. Right. I don't uh, I, I left like all of my like proper paying paying jobs in, in August of 2021 was when I left that uh, that frontline mental health job. And I've kind of been uh, right. I, I was so burnt out at the end of that. I took like a month and changed to just kind of get back into a routine and just kind of feel like kind of recover from that burnout. But uh, but after that, <clears throat> I've kind of just been trying to build up. My like I'm taking a bet on myself again. I'm so thankful and blessed and fortunate and recognize my privilege that I'm able to live here at home with my mom. Uh that uh that I'm able to kind of take this risk on myself and put this bet on myself that uh that I'm building that I'm slowly building something really important and really meaningful. Uh and and making a small amount of money from teaching comedy and from performing comedy and from putting on shows and then just doing a bunch of other odd stuff. You know, I do like market research studies where like, you know, they're, they're like, uh, like, like I'll, they'll send me like a, like a, a sample of wine in the mail and I'll taste it and be like, this is what I think. And they'll, oh my God, here's a hundred Yes. You know, yes. but, uh, it? Yeah. but, but yeah, but the Adderall, right. So, so then it came to a, to a whole conversation again, because now, like I said, now, now, now I'm teaching at the ho- I'm teaching comedy with the hospital, and I'm putting on this big, huge show. Uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. So essentially, needed a small dose because it's kind of that risk reward that I was working on with my doctor, where 
I am I am personally willing to risk potential little hypomanic episode because I have tools in my toolbox now that I've developed through being in the hospital and and just over the last three years of of, of diagnosis of bipolar disorder that I feel comfortable and I and I have like a like a safety med like a like a PRN that's an as needed med so if I feel like I am uh, shifting into a hypomanic episode I can take it and kind of kind of reboot and just stop it in its tracks. And so that's why I decided that the Adderall, I needed to try it because all of this executive dysfunction, just not being able to keep schedules, not being able to remember remember dates and and just have the motivation to keep building all these things because I'm setting my own deadlines now, right? Like I'm my own boss. Like if it's one thing if you're like, hey, meet me here at this time and do this job. And I'm like, cool, I can do that, no problem. But if I'm the one making it up and I'm not feeling it, I'd be like, fuck it, I'll just do it later, you know? So now I'm just hoping that it'll exactly so self-destructive. And so I'm just hoping that this will kind of slowly over time. I've been a lot more, I've been like, like a decent amount more productive uh, since starting the Adderall about a month ago. It's been, it's been, I mean, there has been some slight improvement. Hasn't been as world changing as some people told me it might, but there's still time. You know, it's and and as you said, you're taking a smaller dose and it's just been a month. So, we are um we are hoping for the uh improved productivity for you and please do keep us posted like post more posts like those and um let us know how that is going because we would definitely love to hear it and maybe one day again i'll have you back and we'll go into more details into that but as we come towards the end of this um i'm curious which comedian do you aspire to share a stage with and which stage would you say? I know you've been on so many stages, but which stage do you say, oh my God, the day I get on that stage, that's like, fuck it. Like, that's. Oh, that's a tough question. That's so tough. I mean, I mean, first and foremost, I like, I'd be, I would be honored to share a stage with, with Ivan Decker. Ivan Decker is amazing. He's the reason why I started doing comedy. I actually, uh, I, I, we, he did a Zoom show back, back in, uh, in like early 2021. Uh, and, and I, and I got tickets and like, I tweeted, I'm like, oh my God, I get to see Ivan Decker live. He started following me on Twitter. And then, and then he was back in, he was in town in Toronto to do a couple of shows. I bought tickets to a show and I'm like, oh, he follows me on Twitter. I DM'd him and was just like, Hey man, you're the reason why I started doing comedy. Like I'm a huge fan. I have tickets to this show. I signed up for a comedy class, like three weeks after seeing your special. If you're free at all during this week, you're in town. I'd love to buy you lunch. And to his, like, and he was so amazing. So incredible. He, he replied like immediately and we went out we had like a four-hour lunch at saint lawrence market you see you can amazing. afford a four-hour lunch look at that so clearly not so broke <laughs> I, <laughs> we went we went up for pea meal bacon and eggs it was like 40 bucks between the two of us just messing with you all right that's that's so dope and and it's incredible when people like that give up their time you're like oh my god because you know mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how big you are but that you're like shit yes let me yeah. get better as well. and so you can give back just like how he's giving back to you yeah, so mean, what about a, he's a famous person like he, he has a netflix special he does I just know. laughs all the time and he i know fun. yeah he, he remembers For little history, you too. i know little you from a little town who went to little town what about a stage? What stage would you like? Would you aspire to to to, oh, to be on? 
shit that's see that's tough right like like obviously i'd want to do like like really cool big stages all over the world as far as stages that 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 i love here in toronto right i mean one like like i said so i i I help run the the amateur nights at jokers theater and comedy club here in richmond hill it is hands down one of the most beautiful stages in the country like comedians who come through all the time they're like holy shit this place is amazing the stage is massive beautiful gloss the spotlights are amazing it's got this big beautiful red curtain behind beautiful logos and everything like they put a lot of care and energy and money into this place and it is a beautiful beautiful club so i'm I, like i always feel so fortunate to be able to get to perform there every tuesday and right. uh, and, well, and on weekends and stuff well this is your chance to um give us a uh, mental health advice and the free space to sell yourself this is where you tell people where they can find you any amazing shit you're working on and all that good stuff and do it in five minutes or less <laughs> you've got a time limit go okay um so one first and foremost i mean so i'll cover the mental health advice off the top like one i personally i'm a peer support worker i would i don't give advice I uh, I don't like telling people what to do. The the peer support model is kind of focused on talking about our own personal experiences. And so I can tell you stuff that works for me. And if it happens to work for you, fantastic. If it doesn't, that's also fine. If some of it works if and some of it doesn't, that's also cool too. Um, so like things that work for me, like one is just recognizing like like things that, that have worked for me is putting my own own oxygen mask on first, right? That's something that I'm that I still struggle with at times, uh, and and that's why it was so difficult leaving that frontline mental health uh, peer support job because it was yeah it, I they, I got to a point where like I fill my cup by filling other people's cups. That's what that's what makes me happy. That's what fulfills me. And and but the problem was is that I was filling other, everybody's cups up at work so much that I had nothing left in my cup for me let alone all the other important people in my life. Cause I love supporting my friends, my family. Like I'm everybody's go-to guy. Cause that's like literally that's my brand. Like I'm literally the mental health guy. Like if you talk to anybody in, in comedy in Toronto or just anybody who knows me, like I'm mental health, Ryan, that's kind of, that's kind of my shtick. But uh, so that's, that's something that's really helped for me. Um, and just also, yeah, just being, I mean, and comedy is uh, with with comedy and mental health. Like, it's okay to be silly. It's okay to be a little fun, and it's okay to have laughs. Like, like I love. It's so unbelievably cathartic for me to find the humor in my lived experience with my mental health journey, because I think I think fundamentally, if you're able to laugh about something and and find the humor in a particularly traumatic experience or just something, you know anything bad that's happened to you it means that the that at least like some small level of healing has occurred and i think that's beautiful and that's how we bonded our our, our sparks grew in bonding of our traumatic and i was like yeah you i can tell jokes about my depression i love nothing like laughing at myself and my shit oh we had a great trauma bond on instagram i know and I was still forgotten after September. Anyways, so let people know where they can find you and what you got going on. Yes. Okay. So first and foremost, you can find me on all social media. I'm at Ryan Z Comedy, R-Y-A-N-Z 
C-O-M-E-D-Y. Uh, and that's that's on all social media channels. That's on TikTok. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. And that's also on Facebook. It would just be facebook.com slash Ryan Z comedy. Um, and that's for me as a comedian. Sometimes I post material. I don't post a lot of material. I need to start doing more executive dysfunction. Uh, but I'm hoping to put more content out on TikTok and stuff soon. Um, I also post about all my shows, upcoming shows and stuff there, whether it be in stories or posts. Um, for uh and then something that i'm really 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 excited oh actually sorry other other i have I have two instagram accounts uh and social media accounts the other one is rye guy comedy that's uh that's my that's like my production business air quotes where like the shows that i run is under that brand i have my own logo and everything my my ex-partner made it for me she's an amazingly talented graphic designer we're still friends she's awesome uh and so yeah, th- so that would be at Rye Guy Comedy Shows, R-Y-G-U-Y-C-O-M-E-D-Y-S-H-O-W-S on all social channels, except I'm not on TikTok or Twitter with it, but on Instagram and Facebook. There I always post about shows and like pictures of, of shows and stuff. For the people in Toronto, I cannot stress this enough. You have to come out on February 1st. It's Wednesday, February 1st, at 7.30. It's at the Rivoli which is a beautiful historic stage that is also an amazing stage that I'd loved that I love performing on. It's where the kids in the hall got started. They're fantastic. Um, and that is again on February 1st. Uh, I'm running, I run a recurring mental health comedy fundraiser for CAMH, the hospital in Toronto. Um, all net proceeds from all tickets go directly to the hospital. Uh, it's, you know, yeah, just professional comedians finding the humor in their lived experience with mental health and addiction. Uh, and and we have such an amazing lineup headlined by Christoph Davidson. He's an immaculate pro. He like he's he's done all the festivals. He does just for laughs all the time. He he actually also has bipolar type two and tells a lot of great jokes about it. That I remember when I first uh, started writing bipolar jokes, I uh I, I I Google I Googled like bipolar jokes and stuff and like his is like one of the first things this, this set that he did about bipolar too uh, just for laughs is like one of the first YouTube videos that comes up so definitely check him out and then we also have amazing performers KD Carrie Johnson and Sarah Ashby and they're all phenomenal phenomenal comics uh, so come check that out at the Rivoli uh, and and then I also run uh, some other shows you can find all of those. Uh, at ryguycomedy.eventbrite.com. That's how I sell tickets is through Eventbrite. And uh, is there anything else? Oh, and then uh, also, if anybody's interested in taking my stand-up comedy for mental health class, that's available through CAMH, the hospital, through their Collaborative Learning College. So if you just Google CAMH Collaborative Learning College, it'll be like the first thing. It's I think the 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 link is like camh.clc.ca, but don't quote me on that. If you just Google CAMH Collaborative Learning College, it'll come up. And uh, and I think my next class starts February 28th. It's upgraded. It's in now an eight-week class starting in 2023. I think that's like exactly, I, I might have gone like 30 seconds over. Sorry. You're fine. You did amazing. I told you to sell yourself. Well, I mean, I mean, you'll find that like some of the, like once once comedians get really big and famous and have money, a lot of them become kind of unrelatable, right? It's hard to find relatable content because you have to be so, living a shitty life for the so people. So you're like, I want, I want to continue being poor for the 
great content. Listen, your content is mental health. You're always gonna have mental health to deal with. So I think yourself, get rich, Ryan. Get rich, okay? We are all waiting it. for you to get rich. You hear so can, you hear that so people we, listening so, to this podcast. So we can get so we can get Amazon Prime boxes delivered in our door. <laughs> You hear that, people listening to this podcast, make me rich. Follow me on all the social media, Ryan Z Comedy, everywhere. Follow my stuff. DM me if you want to send me Cash App or Venmo or whatever. We don't we don't have any of those in Canada. I was about to say, no, Canada doesn't have Cash App. You're still on PayPal. We've got PayPal. You can e-transfer me money. My email is ryguycomedy at gmail.com. Come out to my show. just come out to my shows, support it. Money goes. Or even to me, money share. Goes to you comics. know, people think people think supporting it's always buying shit. Share it on your on your yeah. social media because it might not be for you or you can't afford it, but someone on your timeline might be able to. So just share the shit out of people's work. Yes. And with oh that, God. we're gonna end this. Thank you so much, Ryan. I had a great time. And if I wasn't rushing for another live i'm pretty sure we could have kept on going we are on 145 minutes i feel like today all my episodes are going like long long which i love it i love having authentic conversations i love just having deep conversations and just letting it flow and thank you so much for spending the time to hang out with me and we're going to do more of this hell yeah it's in my calendar january february 13th at 8 30 you're getting a dm from me on instagram and we're gonna do comedy we're gonna write some jokes for you we're gonna teach you i'll bring you all my slides it's official getting that get getting the dm getting the. literally it's right i'll show you it's right there you have video evidence it's on the thing and seriously thank you so much for having me this was so lovely this is this is easily one of the most fun conversations i've had in quite some time this was fantastic thank you very much thank you ship talkers for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us we appreciate you to connect with us more make sure you subscribe to our newsletter and catch all the shit talking vibes before anybody else you can subscribe to our newsletter through our website www.talkshitwp.com and or our merchandise website www.talkshitrepeat.shop and while you're there feel free to shop away <laughs> Talkshit Repeat is available on all social media platforms with the handle Talkshit Repeat follow us and engage with us better yet if you're feeling generous give us a review on Apple Podcasts and all raters on Spotify you can also share a beer with me where my beer lovers at I mean, what better way to support the movement than sharing a beer with me by buying me a beer at buymecoffee.com. Thank you for listening, sharing, engaging, and support in any way that you do. Remember, new episodes are out every Wednesday and for part two, if any, on Fridays. Let's talk and all listen to some shit. Happy shit talking.